With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. It is a uh, June 21 Tuesday. Hotter than uh, hell. Some of the stories that we are covering today. A newly released uh, report and photo shows police in Uvalde in the hallway uh, of uh, the school, the Rob Elementary School, with uh, a ballistic shield. One cop had him, and the other ones uh, had assault weapons, contrary to the story we've been told that it was only pistols the police had, and they were waiting for equipment. Doesn't look like it. All right. Uh, This is not a good time to uh, be a Democrat. This actually is not a good time to be the president. Never understood that job. It has to be the toughest job out there. All these presidents get old, uh, much older during their first term. By second term, they're old men and would be old women if uh, the first when we had the first woman president. Uh, it was uh, LBJ who described the job as basically horrible. And uh, when asked, what's the best part of being president? He said, you just don't wait in line for anything. And that's about it. Uh, So President Biden uh, a couple of days ago said Americans are really, really down. And we are. And the president is being blamed for a lot of it because presidents are blamed for a lot of the downside. Uh, Look at uh, the economic, social, national life. I mean, it's all out of joint. The pandemic has left a huge legacy of challenges still there, disrupting our lives. Now, some are basically aggravations, uh, unless you happen to be affected by this. Uh, 800 airline flights canceled just on Sunday, and the flights are canceled, canceled, canceled. That's a drag. Uh, But there is more. There are bigger problems, unless you were canceled, uh, that actually threaten our economic future. Our sense of safety and well-being, for example, the growing fears of a recession, which I think is going to happen. If it turns out during the midterms, power is split uh, between Republicans and Democrats in Washington, you can kiss it goodbye. We're going to have nothing but political fighting ahead of the 2024 presidential. Nothing is going to get done. Not that anything's getting done now, but nothing is going to get done. You will not be able to get a congressional a declaration that uh, the red robin is a national state bird of uh, insert name of bird here. Uh, It's going to be very tough. We've got record gasoline prices. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel terrible, uh, but you're already feeling terrible. I just want to go through the list of how difficult and the problems that Joe Biden has right now. So you've got gasoline prices, the food of uh, the cost of food, and hard goods, uh, cities with a homelessness crisis. Uh, look at the shelves if you want to buy baby formula, right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, to give you an idea of how split we are, 
the most rudimentary firearm safety measures can't get passed. I mean, things that just make sense, even if you are pro-guns, come on. Uh, We've got the hearings going on, the televised hearings, where it doesn't matter what the president said, former President Trump said. It doesn't matter what kind of proof the uh, committee comes up with. Even videotape of the president, for example, ordering uh, the crowd to overrun the Capitol, which doesn't exist, by the way. But if they had it, you know what? It's going to be ignored by his supporters. Uh, That's what happened. The base doesn't care. And so uh, this mood uh, is uh, it's not getting any better. We'll look at with Supreme Court. Right. Uh, Gun control with the Supreme Court. Uh, You've got uh, the Roe v. Wade coming up. Uh, And it's a lot of issues going on that are really difficult. And the problem with uh, being president is you are blamed for all of this. There are things that a president can do. president has virtually uh, no influence on inflation. What do you do? And the president has uh, no influence on Russia invading Ukraine. Now, the president could stop arms from being sold or given to Ukraine. That the president can do. But... Uh, Look how he would be attacked for that. And this is one of the problems that being a president is all about. You get blamed for everything good. Uh, The president uh, is going to take credit for everything bad. I mean, the president takes credit, excuse me, for everything good and gets blamed for everything bad, even though there may be no influence there at all. You know, for example, inflation is the president's fault. The Fed deals with that. The president can do virtually nothing. The oil shortage, it's the president's fault. Uh, the president could do virtually nothing about that. So, uh, you know, be prepared. President Biden, like all the other presidents, say, look at how great things are. Unemployment is great. Uh, look at we're on the, on the verge of moving forward. Uh, no absolute as to recession. Of course there is. Well, at least I think so. You want to run for president and people line up? What's the upside? You don't wait in line. Uh, San Francisco is known as the most liberal city uh, in uh, certainly California and the country. I mean, we're talking liberal, liberal, liberal. Uh, That is actually changing as the most liberal. You know what's right up there? actually surpassing San Francisco as the most liberal city, Uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, uh, for example, we're on the verge of uh, electing probably a most liberal city council member. Unisys Hernandez is her name, Uh, and uh, she is um, 32 years old, a community activist, and oh boy, Is she progressive? So on Friday, uh, she took a lead and is described as insurmountable over incumbent city council, uh, Mengil Cedillo, when Bill Gill. And uh, that is, uh, you know, getting rid of an incumbent is not easy. Uh, You've got uh, plenty of uh, those circumstances. Uh, On the east side, there's a labor organizer, Hugo Soto Martinez, campaign on having fewer cops 
repealing the law that allows the city to remove homeless encampments, he's pull ahead of incumbent Mitchell Farrell. Then we go to the west side, uh, District 11. And this is where the recall, <coughs> excuse me, of Mike Bonin failed. And his issue uh, was the proliferation of tents in Venice. Well, city rights, uh, civil rights lawyer Aaron Darling is in the lead, promising uh, to address homelessness without criminalization, strengthen renter protections, renter protections in the city of Los Angeles, rent controlled, one of the most pro-renter cities that exist. We need more. And all over the city, it's much the same thing. For example, controller. Uh, activist Kenneth May, uh, Mejia, progressive, was a top vote-getter. He's going against uh, City Councilman Paul Koretz in a runoff in November. For city attorney, you've got Faisal Gill, civil rights lawyer. Uh, he vowed to repeal the anti-camping law in the city. And we've got the mayoral race, Karen Bass, pulled ahead of Rick Caruso. And um, yeah, pretty substantially, and of course... She has a very, very liberal approach to governing versus uh, Rick Caruso's moderate centrist approach. Because centrist, sort of conservative centrist. And uh, why is that going on? Well, if you look at it, uh, years of hard work by progressive. They used to be liberals. Uh, but liberal, you can't use that word anymore uh, because liberal is such a pejorative so you now are progressive, and years these progressives have worked to elect people to reimagine or even abolish government systems, like policing. None of them like policing. At least they're moving away from disband the police. Let's just get, a repo- get, get rid of the police force. We don't need it. We have to approach crime as a social issue there is a reason there are criminals and the reason is societal inherently no one is really evil and commits crimes it's the fault of society Uh, it's the fault of uh, being brought up in a child abusive environment it's uh, the fault of inability to get a good job or get a good education because of racism. Uh, just let's go through the whole litany. And uh, these people are being elected. Uh, so wh- what's going on with San Francisco? Well, there's a reason. It's not that the people of San Francisco are less liberal. It's a question of who's moving in and out. People can't afford to live in San Francisco as bad as it is here with the inability to stay within city limits. Rent is increasing like crazy. You know, wait till the moratorium is over. Rents are going to explode. Evictions are coming bad, are coming back. Inflation is here and people are not keeping up with inflation, except the people that can afford to live here. Now, the issue in San Francisco is far worse. So who's moving into San Francisco? Who's staying in San Francisco? People who have money. Effectively conservative white people who have money. And guess how they vote? They're not into defunding the police. They're not into uh, disbanding the police. They don't particularly like homeless people. 
And they're the ones that are making up more and more of the population. And so you've got San Francisco moving in a uh, more conservative direction. And in Los Angeles, well, even to to some extent, that's the issue here, but nothing like San Francisco. Uh, It's a real interesting situation. Let me give you um, Eunices Hernandez. I started with that story. Uh, she's Highland Park. She's running for uh, the council person. She's probably going to win. Uh, she's the daughter of immigrants, a lifelong resident of Highland Park, lives in the same house her mom bought decades ago, which is still being paid off, talks about gentrification, how it's changed the neighborhood, the medium income in her district, about $35,000. And here is a quote from her. I've seen homes next to mine that were selling for $1.3 million, which, of course, means that only people who have a ton of money can move in, and she wants to turn that around. Uh, she's a true believer in uh, blocking as much market-rate housing development as possible. If you're a developer, you're moving in, you're building uh, a multi-unit for example, apartment building or multi-unit uh, residences, uh, you, no market share. You, it's not even a question of a certain percentage going for affordable housing. It shouldn't be built at all because we don't want people who have enough money to live here. Well, we don't want people who have enough money to live here to live here. That's uh, the story. Uh, she was once an aspiring cop, and uh, what does she want to do? She wants to chip away at uh, the harmful departments. Like the LAPD. We have to chip away. That's Los Angeles. Boy, are we changing. Okay, enough of that. Got a story to share with you. Uh, And it has to do with affordable housing, which is uh, obviously a huge issue. And I'm going to talk about uh, seven projects uh, in the Bay Area that are being built uh, for affordable housing. I'm talking about the entire project. Uh, And uh, they're up in San Francisco, and they are costing more than $1 million per apartment to build. That is such an astronomical figure that it almost defies credulity. I mean, come on, really? Uh, Because a developer can probably build an apartment for half that if he's building an apartment under normal circumstances, either rent or to sell. How do you get a million dollars for per project or per apartment in a project? Uh, Well... Uh, here is the issue. Uh, this is state funding uh, that's paying for this. And uh, when completed, these projects are actually it's pretty good size. You're going to provide homes for more than 600 families. Well, these price tags, what does it mean? Well, taxpayers, we're subsidizing fewer apartments because they're costing so much. Assemblyman Tim Grayson of Concord Democrats said this is untenable. Uh, This is not a sustainable model. We've got to do something to reduce the cost. So let's look at the costs. What is going on? 
Some can be controlled. Uh, some cannot. Some are just uh, a matter of dealing with uh, the economy and the labor shortage, et cetera. So key driver of the increase is labor and material price, right? Costs have soared because of inflation. We're still doing dealing with uh, supply chain problems, still dealing with worker shortages. Look at uh, the airlines canceling uh, flights all over the country uh, uh, that otherwise they'd make a lot of money on, and they just have to cancel because there aren't there is not enough staff. They don't have enough ground agents. They don't have enough maintenance people. Maintenance people. They don't have enough pilots or flight crews. All right, so you have those, but. Uh, there was a Time investigation piece, L.A. Times investigated this, and said you got a bunch of factors that are within the control of state and local governments. They're also to blame for some of these insanely high prices. What are they? Well, low-income housing is often saddled with many more stringent environmental and labor standards, way at the top. I mean, they throw everything they can when there is subsidized low-income housing. Uh, More parking requirements. Didn't know that. Uh, uh, Approval processes, far, far greater. And just to get the financing uh, is infinitely more complicated because you're dealing with uh, various governments and uh, you're dealing with getting money from the governments. And as you can imagine, uh, it's going to be far more difficult uh, than going to the bank or going to investors. I mean, it gets really crazy. And I'll tell you, it's the financing part of it alone. So to support housing for low income, where do they get the money? Well, federal, state, local governments kick in money. Uh, They provide either money, direct money, or tax credits. So uh, let me give you an example of what subsidized housing is in the Bay Area. There's an 84-unit public housing complex in San Francisco. It's already there. The building is there, and they're rehabbing it. They're going to offer two, three, and four bedroom apartments between $1,100, $1,186, and $2,800 a month for the four bedroom. The market rates in San Francisco, uh, the median rent for a two bedroom apartment is $2,600. So that is, you know, it's a good deal, except that it's $2,600. And that is, oh, that's pretty tight for a lot of people. By the way, the project I was just talking about cost $1.1 million per apartment, uh, which would make them the costliest uh, apartments in the country. So what is going on? Why so expensive? Well, first of all, a two-level underground parking garage mandated. uh, The highest level environmental certification mandated. Developers have to pay union-level wages whether or not The workers are in unions. Uh, Also, San Jose. There's one in San Jose. Uh, The officials wanted commercial space, more parking, separate elevator. And so uh, as we go, I want to point something out in terms of cost. Paying union-level wages. 
basically in these housing projects cost $50,000 more per apartment. The stricter environmental standards cost $17,000 more per apartment. Uh, And uh, consulting fees and administrative costs, well, that is an insane bucket of money. Just to give you an example, you go to the bank, you go to building and safety, now you're done. If you're building, uh, you're developing yourself. Most large states have one agency that hands out these uh, housing dollars. California has five that must be complied with, all of them varying requirements, different requirements that a developer has to, uh, in fact, satisfy. Uh, They're making it impossible to build. So until they get this straightened out, uh, you're going to see, well, there's no issue. You're going to see affordable housing being not affordable. And we just suck it up, and California sucks it up. The budget that Newsom just proposed, $17 billion for affordable housing and homelessness. Crazy, isn't it? I talk about scams uh, with virtually everybody. I talk about it with uh, Rich DeMuro, with uh, Clark Howard particularly. I mention them all the time uh, because we always have to look out for scams on the Internet particularly. So uh, the FBI has uh, come out with um, a warning about the latest scam that is big. I mean, these scams are always there, but they go in cycles You know, they go, uh, they're really huge, and they wane, and they come back. And this one has to do with LinkedIn. Uh, Around the country, uh, people have lost fortunes after connecting with someone on LinkedIn. And these folks believed that uh, those on LinkedIn uh, were, in fact, giving them good financial advice. LinkedIn acknowledges an uptick says that last year it removed 32 million fake accounts. 32 million fake accounts last year. Gives you an idea of, number one, how big LinkedIn is and how many fraudsters are out there. So this scheme works like this. You've got a fraudster, uh, one of these cockroach cyber criminals, uh, posing as a professional, a professional investor, uh, creates a fake profile And just reaches out to a LinkedIn user. And the scammer starts with uh, small talk over LinkedIn messaging. And eventually offers to help the victim make money through a crypto investment. It's always a crypto investment. Victims say since uh, LinkedIn is a trusted platform uh, for business networking, uh, these folks have to be real. And they believe that these investments are legitimate, and they start legitimately. So uh, typically, the fraudster directs uh, the user to one of these legitimate investment platforms for crypto. And then over the next several months, gains the trust of the investor. And then at the end of the relationship, it can be several months later, Uh, he or she tells them, usually he, tells them to move that investment to a site, another site where the investor can make more money and this site is controlled by the person committing the fraud. And then uh, the account is drained and the fraudster can put up almost anything showing the investor, look how much money you're making, 
Uh, and if the investor wants money out, hang on. You don't want to take money out of this because you're making so much money. And all the while, the investments are being drained. And in some cases, money keeps on going in. Look how much you've made. You've made 12% in the last three months. Put in more money. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And that's what happens to many people. And the FBI has seen a pretty dramatic increase in this investment fraud. Uh, and that's different from the long-running scam, which we talked about, in which the criminal pretends to show a romantic interest. Usually elderly ladies who have been widowed by themselves, vulnerable, and all of a sudden uh, are, I'm going to use the word attacked, but contacted uh, by a fraudster and starts a romantic relationship. And you wonder, you know, how is it possible that these women get involved with this? I mean, some of them are pretty sharp. They've got good retirement accounts. Uh, They were accomplished during their working lives. Because they're lonely, because they're vulnerable. And uh, these fraudsters have a way of just getting into that psyche. They should be psychologists, actually. They would do a good job. Uh, LinkedIn acknowledged all of this is happening, saying we enforce our policies. They're very clear about fraudulent activity, including financial scams. Not allowed on LinkedIn. We work every day to keep our members safe. Obviously, some PR Uh, person within the organization or outside wrote this. Uh, And this includes investing in automated and manual defenses to detect and address fake accounts, false information, suspected fraud. And who do they work with? We work with peer companies and government agencies from around the world to keep people safe. So here's some numbers that LinkedIn shared. From July to December... 2021, six months, its automated defenses stopped 96% of all fake accounts. Uh, 12 million that were stopped at registration, four and a half million that were proactively restricted, and its uh, automated defenses, LinkedIn said, caught 99.1% of spams, uh, of spam and, and scams, total of almost 71 million in that same time period. So uh, they're claiming, and I don't know if it's true or not, I don't doubt that, uh, that 99% of the scams are in fact caught. Uh, But what do the scammers do? Just open up another account, go by a different name, set up a false company, and start all over again. Uh, And when you're dealing with crypto, there's no way to trace the money at all, as you know. So the company said, here's what you do. Now, here is what potential investors can do. Be really careful. First of all, uh, don't send money to people you don't know. I mean, if someone comes to you, if you're investing through the Internet, uh, other than maybe Schwab uh, or Fidelity, names are known, well-known. Other than that, you want to stay away from that. Uh, 
Also, you know, look at uh, a, a questionable work history. There are red flags, even poor grammar. I mean, if there's poor grammar here, uh, you've got an issue. Then you have the crypto companies. The biggest one out there, Crypto.com, which now is, instead of Staples, now uh, has the naming rights for Staples. Uh, Crypto.com said it immediately takes down accounts that it finds are linked to the scam uh, via uh, LinkedIn. So uh, that's just another scam. This is the latest. Uh, we'll see more. We'll see more. Uh, you know, fake charities. Um, whenever you have a GoFundMe page and it becomes uh, a national story, an international story, of course, they jump in, set up their own. I mean, that doesn't stop. Uh, these criminals are real smart, and most people, unless they're super careful, don't stand a chance. All right, it's time for Tech Tuesday. Rich DeMuro is on vacation. So we have as our guest uh, Micah Sargent, who is producer and host at twit.tv. His show is This Week in Tech. Instagram at Micah Sargent. That's M-I-K-A-H, Sargent, S-A-R-G-E-N-T. Micah, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. I'm so excited to be here to talk about tech today. Uh, that's correct. Okay, uh, now, uh, we've got a lot to cover. And by the way, you haven't worked with me yet, so I'm a complete jerk. I just want you to know that. I work very, very hard at it. Okay. Uh, here's a story that I've been following and talking about it, and that's uh, Volvo started testing trucks with fuel cells powered by hydrogen. And the only person I know that has ever owned a hydrogen car was Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, that uh, he came out with one BMW uh, had a prototype which I saw, and uh, hydrogen, the fuel cells with hydrogen, actually are probably the best way to drive a car or a truck. But the infrastructure and the manufacture of hydrogen, that is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is one of the situations where you are used to the cars that we have right now, those electric vehicles that we have right now, that uh, we've got all of this system in place for being able to charge those or being able to get those rocking and rolling across the US and elsewhere. But uh, this Volvo, you know, working on this new type of, of truck that is not necessarily meant for the masses, right? This is uh, the difference between consumer versus uh, a, a much more powerful vehicle. So uh, it's it's hard to say kind of what the future technology will be in the end, but we certainly have the infrastructure for the Teslas and Bolts right now. Yeah, but that is the electric uh, charging stations, uh, which, first of all, the electric vehicle has been around for, what, 10 years? Uh, and uh, the charging stations, uh, the installation at home, for example, uh, as well as commercial charging stations and stores, restaurants, that sort of thing, office buildings. That is really starting to take off. Uh, how do you get a hydrogen uh, gas tank uh, at your house? Is that ever going to be possible? See, th then this is the thing, you know, that's one sort of factor of it is is having uh, the, the the technology there. But it's also a matter of hydrogen is not by default, a green technology. 
it is a thing that needs to be green by powering it through other methods, right? So there's there's a process uh, using an electrolyzer that is kind of at, at the heart of actually making hydrogen a fuel source. And so unless that electrolyzer is powered using technology that is green, like say solar or wind, then hydrogen as a fuel source in the first place is not even green by default. So I think that's why this is only one of many different technologies that we're looking at as, as possible fuel sources for the future. All right, so realistically, this is way down the food chain in terms of a possibility uh, in powering vehicles. Uh, this uh, Is it fair to say this ain't ever going to happen, Micah? Uh, I, I'm more towards the, this ain't ever going to happen, uh, but Volvo wants to say 2025. <laughs> I don't know about 2025. I think we're a little farther out for that. And when are we going to see uh, enough charging stations uh, for electric vehicles out there that it really becomes viable for virtually anybody out, uh, to buy an electric vehicle in numbers by a magnitude in the United States. That's the thing. There are lots of different folks with lots of different predictions for when that is. But the biggest issue that we're facing, it depends on if you consider it an issue, is the sort of love that the U.S. has for the gas-powered vehicles that we have right now. You go into some states, I'm from Missouri originally, you go into some states like my home state and tell them that uh, we're going to move some gas stations out and replace them with electric vehicle charging stations, and you've got, you've got an issue on your hands. So again, it's one of those things where lots of different people, uh, particularly those in the electronic car market and the, the, the battery-powered car market, market are saying, oh, you know, it's just around the corner. It's 2025. It's 2026. But I think uh, I think it's going to be longer than that. Yeah. So even I'm assuming that even your buddies in uh, Missouri who love gas power vehicles at six, seven, eight dollars a gallon may turn around and go, all right, maybe not. <laughs> That is the hope, Bill. But, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that uh, some some people in my home city uh, took a Tesla uh, onto the highway and, and lit it aflame. Great. So <laughs> some people don't like electric vehicles. Uh, hey, uh, the FAA, uh, this is interesting. Uh, uh, what are where are they going uh, with uh, Verizon and AT&T? Yeah, so it's interesting. There are uh, there are different kinds of 5G that are available, right? And we knew about uh, the initial uh, announcements for 5G, that there's going to be a more powerful version of 5G that you would be able to use that would give you a better signal. And the Federal Aviation Administration uh, kind of said, hey, look, we have some concerns that the 5G signal is going to disrupt our ability to communicate with our planes. We need to be able to talk to them, and we aren't sure if 5G is going to do this. Now, what they didn't say up front, but what we've come to understand is that uh, the FAA has been warned for years and years, we are trying to roll out 5G, we are trying to roll out 5G. And time and time again, the FAA said, hold on, please don't do that yet, don't do that yet. Finally, the different cell uh, providers in the United States said, look, we need to get this rolling out. And the FAA was able to push through another stop on getting them to roll it out. Finally, uh, in July 2023, 
the FAA is going to allow AT&T, Verizon, and others to actually roll out their C-band technology for 5G, which is just, it's a better way for us to be able to use our devices on the go and have a strong signal uh, with, with very fast speeds. All right, so this uh, new 5G, is uh, this a geographical in that it's only around... Uh, airports uh, where obviously the pilots are landing, uh, or is it just anywhere planes fly and that's everywhere in the United States? Right, right, right. So it is uh, specifically around uh, the the airplanes because of the fact that the um, altimeters that are inside of airplanes uh, actually are potentially affected by this. So it's not something where super high up in the air it's going to be issue, but as these airplanes are coming to touch down uh, or as they are taking off, obviously those altimeters are trying to uh, make sure that they know how high or how low the plane is. So that is kind of where the bigger concern is. And that's why actually the FAA kind of as a temporary measure, as a stopgap, introduced these, it's almost like those drone areas where you can't fly your drones. This was where you couldn't have C-band. It was a no-fly for C-band. Uh, what am I missing here? Uh, why couldn't the FAA just say, hey, guys, new altimeters? Congratulations. How much wouldn't, it... wouldn't that be nice? But I think, Bill, people don't necessarily know how long planes remain in uh, use and how much airports and, and uh, airplane manufacturers don't want to uh, have to update things that hey, it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it situations. And also, if it costs a lot and it ain't broke, then please, for the love of God, don't make us fix it. So are we any uh, time soon going to not have uh, the uh, stewardess uh, person, male or female, up in the air saying uh, all cell phones are on until we're on the ground when we land? Or is that still going to be in effect? Because hey, people want to use their cell phones. And the signals are crystal clear when you're in the air because there's yeah, nothing in the way, way. <laughs> exactly um well we've been promised that for a while and there are some airlines who are a little bit more lax on that than others i would argue that this is one of those situations where we will get there. Uh, July 2023 is going to be the start of that with the official introduction of the C-band and no concern about the FAAs, uh, the, the altimeters in the planes. So let's say, oh, 2030. <laughs> that, that feels okay. Yeah, that feels great. Okay, buying uh, a, a piece of clothing digitally uh, with your avatar. And mm -hmm. uh, so you don't have to try anything on. What's going on with that? <laughs> Yeah, so Meta, which is uh, what Facebook calls itself these days, has been working on these virtual environments, right? This is a place where you go as an avatar of yourself, as, a, as an illustration of yourself into these digital worlds. And right now, if I were to put on my VR headset from Meta, from Facebook, I could go into the digital world and I could change my shirt, make it green. Uh, the, for some reason, a lot of AR creatures don't have legs, so I couldn't change the pants on my creature, but I could uh, change the shirt, put on a hat, that kind of thing. What Meta is working on is a way to bring uh, payments, to bring more money to its own company through the use of digital clothing. So 
I want to be clear that this is not a situation where you're kind of trying on clothing in a virtual space so that you can buy it in real life and it's going to look the same. No, these are like illustrations oh, of clothing. Okay, so they're not, it's not as if uh, the camera takes a picture of your body right? and up comes a, uh, a piece of clothing, a certain style you're looking at, and you can order it. Uh, because I can imagine uh, taking a photo going on uh, one of these uh, platforms and uh, a voice goes too fat <laughs> right or not yeah, gonna work you, sh you shouldn't wear green it doesn't look great with your skin that kind of thing yeah this is this is not like that it's uh, a lot of uh, glasses manufacturers will make those oh, yeah. apps that I will just help did you that. kind of figure it out i just oh, did nice. that i'm wearing glasses now and you literally takes a, you take a picture or actually the the computer takes a picture because it uses the camera and uh, you uh, try all these glasses, different colors, different uh, styles, and there it is. That's how I bought mine. So there will be a future, Bill, I think, where you will have maybe a, a digital avatar and, you know, you get your glasses, say, from Warby Parker and you will go online and you pay, you know, uh, 50 cents to be able to have Warby Parker branded glasses in this virtual space. So the same thing applies here. These are actually very high, uh, high price brands, high fashion brands, Balenciaga, Prada, Tom Brown. And so people are paying real money for an, a clothing item that is just for their digital avatar. So it's just, um, I mean, they've been doing this for a long time in video games where you would pay for what they call cosmetic cosmetics. This is the same thing, but it's cosmetics that are tied to real world brands like Balenciaga, Prada, uh, et cetera, as opposed to kind of uh, ones that are, are reminiscent of Balenciaga and Prada that you might get in some games. As in uh, ripoffs. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Balenciaga uh, and yes. Uh, Pruda. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. All right. Now, Micah, thank you. Uh, Micah Sargent, producer and host at twit.tv. Uh, this Week in Tech is his show. Instagram at Micah Sargent. That's M-I-K-A-H Sargent, S-A-R-G-E-N-T. Uh, Micah, thanks. Great job. Thanks so much. Greatly appreciated. All right. Uh, Rich, I think Rich is back when? A couple more weeks. Uh, Micah is going to be with us, I think, next week also. Now, uh, in the world of politics, uh, have you noticed that politicians have stopped talking about COVID? It's really not um, not on our lips, not in the minds, particularly of Republicans. COVID is going to be both everywhere and nowhere coming up. Well, right now on the surface, uh, COVID is not on the minds of voters. Candidates aren't talking about it. Two years after, and a lot of analysts say it helped sink Donald Trump's re-election campaign because President Trump uh, ignored it uh, after Joe Biden became uh, the president. And uh, so now, uh, how many people think it's a top priority? Uh, not many. Not many. It's uh, sort of been lost as a political issue. Uh, if uh, Democrats are talking... Uh, they tend to focus more on helping the country move on from COVID. Republicans don't want to talk about COVID either for a couple of reasons. Their base doesn't even take it seriously. Uh, it's no big deal. And in reference to it being a big deal, if at all, it's to criticize the public health institutions, how they're blowing it, how they're 
uh, interfering with uh, the public's right to assembly, to freedom of some sort. But if you look closer, pandemic still has just enormous influence uh, on American politics, actually. You've got inflation, began with a supply chain issue, workforce issues caused by COVID. Actually, uh, it's inflation that's the number one issue for U.S. voters right now. And you can tie uh, inflation directly to COVID. Uh, John Gasper, uh, an economics professor at Carnegie Mellon, said it's been so extensive, this connection, uh, that you just don't notice it. Uh, And both sides have good reasons to leave it alone. Uh, Most of the Republicans' vote base has been skeptical of its significance anyway, and for quite a while. Uh, Now, here's the exception. The hard right candidates— They're still paying attention to COVID because they oppose any public health interventions. Republicans continue to make clear their opposition to mask or vaccine mandates, even though there aren't any. They've been lifted across the country, but in the world of right-wing politics, they're still there. I'm going to give you an example in a minute that, to me, was mind-boggling. Gasper said COVID has been transformed from a disaster a medical health issue to a straight-out political issue in the culture wars. Not a medical issue anymore. It's a a culture war issue. That's what it is. That's never happened before. In January, right when we were in the Omicron uh, uh, wave, uh, Gallup did a poll uh, asking what was the most important problem facing the country. Well, uh, 20% said it was. In April... Uh, the share uh, who the share of people who still put the pandemic as number one went down to four percent, from twenty percent to four percent. Russia was first. Fuel prices. Uh, it's inflation in the state of the economy that's number one, and that's no surprise there. Uh, and here's what ends up happening: uh, voters typically have less tolerance for politicians blaming the same thing for all the problems in the world. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Uh, So if you're looking at Republican campaigns out there, and you'll see this, COVID is either invisible, they don't talk about it, or the government response is uh, the subject of ridicule. Case in point, Pennsylvania legislature, U.S. Senate um, uh, run in Pennsylvania. So who won uh, the candidacy? Who won the nomination? It's uh, Mehmet Oz. Dr. Oz won. He was backed uh, by President, former President Trump, and it was one of Trump's big wins. Oz was bit, way behind in the polls and came out the leader, and he's going to run in November for the Republican. Uh, he's a Republican nominee for Senate. Now, he is a doctor. And previously followed medical science and health authorities, supportive, completely supportive of uh, pandemic intervention by health departments. He then switched and is against intervention now. He doesn't believe in medical science anymore. He's campaigned against mask mandates. And you know why? Because masks don't work. Masks don't do anything to help people in the middle of a pandemic. I can see hard right politicians saying that. 
Can you see a doctor saying that who isn't a conspiracy nut? And I've interviewed Oz. He's a nice guy. He makes sense. He's a real doctor. Uh, he is a cardiovascular surgeon. He's a heart surgeon at Columbia. So are you going to see a lot of COVID? Nah, not much. Well, Republicans will use it. All those horrible mask mandates that don't exist. Right now they don't. This is KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.